Morning Gateway, let's stand together. Declare that Jesus is Lord this morning. Is everybody good to be in the house of the Lord? I said, is everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning?
We've stripped everything down up here. Scaled back so we can just focus our eyes on you. I pray this morning you'll help us do that. You'll help us put you on a pedestal and take ourselves off.
as a church, we exalting. Sing that out. Bible tells us that if we will lift him up, if we will just worship him, that he hears our praise. And when we think about God, we think about his bigness. We think about that all he wants is us just to lift up his name and when we can come into a setting such as this corporate worship I can't help but think that God is just sitting listening to our praise as a matter of fact the Bible tells us that if if we don't praise him that the rocks will cry out we were created worship Him. We were created to hear His voice. We were created to touch Him. We were created to see Him. And this morning as we just take just a moment, just in in the stillness, just to say thank you God. Father, I worship You. Father, I lift up your name. God, there is no God 
like you. Father, you are my everything. God, I can't take a breath without you. God, I need you in my life. God, I lift you up. Father, I thank you. Father, you're worthy of my praise. God, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what the, the, the world may look and think the situation is, God, you're worthy of my praise. And God, I pray that every day of my life, Father, that I will acknowledge you. God, that I will seek you. God, that I will exalt you. God, I pray that you receive our worship this morning. And Father, that it is pleasing to you. God, just as we have worshiped with music and with singing, God, we also worship with our tithes and our offerings. God, that we thank you for blessing us. God, as we worship you, as we give back to you just a, a portion of what you've blessed us with, God, we don't do it with our hands clenched. God, we do it out of love. God, we put you first. God, not just in some things, but in all things. Father, I thank you. God, I pray as we continue to worship you, God, that you will help us to reach out to this community, people all around us who need the revelation of your goodness, of your mercy, and of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Look at somebody across the aisle and tell them, uh, go ahead and say, welcome to Gateway. We're glad you're here this morning. Um, when we started the, the church back in uh, when we came into this building back in March of 2019, seems like forever ago, um, we decided we were going to do a, a Connect card every week. And uh, since we've came back from COVID, I told you last week that uh, we've tried to go uh, all digital. And uh, so uh, on the screen up here, hopefully, you're going to see a, uh, a message that tells you to text the word here to, there it is, 606-220-6111. And uh, you're saying, oh, pastor, I don't want to do that. Just do it. Do it. If you've got a cell phone, do it. Uh, and basically the reason we do that is, is because you are more important to us than just a number. And uh, sort of a, a tagline or a motto line, it seems like a catchy phrase, but it's the truth. Uh, we care about you. We want to, to know that you're here. And, and uh, it's more than just being able to put some numbers on a report. And uh, so thank you for doing that. And um, I, I want to make you aware of, of uh, uh, something else that we've got coming up. If you're new to Gateway, 
or if you have never been through our growth track. Uh, this is something that we usually do about every couple of months. And since we've been back, uh, we've uh, been trying to avoid as much um, contact as we can. And uh, we feel it's safe now. We can spread out uh, this next Sunday night. So that is um, January the 31st from 6 to 8 o'clock. Uh, if you're new to Gateway, I encourage you uh, to, to come and just listen and, and get to know us a little better. Let us get to know you a little better. We'll talk about our, our vision and our, and our goals and, and where we're headed and, and what we, how we view ministry. And I believe that it will be a, a good time. of uh, It's hard to get to know each other in a setting like this. Uh, and uh, so it's just a couple of hours that, that uh, we can just sit and talk and, and we'll feed you. And uh, so if nothing else, come for the food. And uh, we look forward to that. But you can uh, sign up on the gate.life. Uh, you'll probably be uh, also getting a text message uh, and, and a, a link that you can sign up for that. Uh, so if you haven't done that, uh, if you're new or maybe you're not so new, uh, but you've never been through the course, let me encourage you uh, to do that. And uh, we feel it's a very important part. Also, February the 7th, which is... Um, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to be starting our life groups, and uh, we feel that this is an important part. Uh, once again, we can do ministry here, but outside of here, uh, building a community is much more than just you know an hour, an hour and five minutes on a Sunday morning. And so I encourage you, you can go to thegate.life uh, later this week. All of those things will be out there. Uh, we're just in the, the process of finalizing all the different life groups. There'll be some on Wednesday night. Uh, if you have youth, uh, know that every uh, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock they are here, uh, even right now. Uh, they don't take a break. Uh, we don't give them a break. Um, so uh, they will, uh, they're here, and, and there's an adult class, and there's going to be different life groups here on Wednesday night. There'll be some other places on, on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and all throughout the week so that it can fit your schedule because we feel like it's that important for you to connect uh, with, with people who are of like minds and uh, working toward the same goal. So commercials out of the way. <clears throat> we are two weeks into our 21-day fast. And um, uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, we have been passionately seeking God. Uh, we have laid some things aside, and, and we're trying to, to live out Jeremiah 29, 13. Uh, in Jeremiah 29, 13, uh, the Bible tells us that if we will seek Him, we can find Him if we seek for Him with our whole heart. Uh, when you are passionate about something, when you give your whole heart to something, it makes a difference. And so the, over the last couple of weeks and, and in January, we said, God, we are setting this aside, something that, that's dear to us, something that, that we feel that even sometimes might come before you. We are taking that and we're saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it decrease so that you can increase. And, and, and so we've been doing that. And, and when we did that back on January the 10th, we also started this series that we titled Lean In. And when we think about the image of leaning in, uh, when you lean into something, you're getting closer. When you lean into something, you're drawing close to it. And the first week we talked about how that, that God speaks to us in a, in a little small voice, uh, just like he did to the prophet Elijah. And, and there's a couple of things in our life that keep us from hearing from God and hearing his voice. And those things are, sometimes our lives are too loud, and then sometimes we're just not close enough to him. Sometimes if, if you're, someone's talking to you and, and they're whispering, they're just talking with their breath. If you're far away, you can't hear them. But when you lean in, 
you can hear them. And we have to be willing to, to turn down the noise in our life, and we have to be willing to draw close to him. When Elijah uh, had someone trying to kill him, someone was trying to take him out, he ran to the mountain of God. Not only was he running for his life, but he understood that if he could get to the mountain of God, that he could hear from God. Then last week we talked about touching him. And we talked about Matthew chapter 5, how that there were two kinds of touches described in Matthew chapter 5. You had Jairus who needed to touch, needed Jesus to touch his dying daughter. And then you also had the woman with the issue of blood, and she needed to touch Jesus. Both of these people understood that one touch from Jesus can make dead things come alive. And they had to fight through some things in order to get what they needed. They fought through obstacles. But in the end, they both received what they were seeking. They both needed Jesus to show up. And he did. So today I want to look at, at another aspect of leaning in. I want to talk about leaning in to see him. For us to see him for who he is. I'm not talking about just a quick glimpse. Sometimes we're guilty of we're just, we just sit still long enough or we just focus long enough just to see a glimpse of him. But, but I'm talking about seeing him for who he is. Because seeing him experiences him. When you can see him for who he is, you can experience him. When you can see him for the fullness, get the full experience of who he is, it makes a difference. Uh, Christy and I, we, we love going to the beach. There's nothing to me more relaxing than sitting on a balcony, listening to waves crash the shore, feeling the, the sea breeze. We love it. Uh, most of our lives, oh, we, I grew up going to the beach. We would go to, to Daytona or, or to Myrtle. But we always went, and Christy grew up in the north, and she would go to like Rehoboth. But all of those beaches are on the Atlantic Ocean. So if, you, if you've had experience with the Atlantic Ocean, you know that, that it's, the water's not clear. Now, when I was young and dumb, it didn't bother me one bit. I would just, I would go out in the ocean and, and I didn't care. I didn't care what I was walking on. But the older that I get, the wiser that I get. And I think, you know what? I ain't walking out there if I don't know what I'm stepping on. So when I go to the beach now, honestly, I don't even like going to the sand. Because there's sometimes there could just be things hiding in the sand. But I'm not getting in the water. Reese loves getting in the water. I'm like, somebody else is going to have to go with you. I might go down and, and, and put my chair right, but I'm not getting out in that water because I can't see what's there. So a couple of years ago, you know, you always see these uh, brochures and, and they advertise on TV uh, of these beaches and, and the water is just crystal clear. And I would look at that and I would think, now that's some water I would get in. And they make it look so appealing and, and you're thinking, I, I, I'm going to do this. So uh, a couple of years ago was our 25th anniversary, and we decided, okay, we're going to experience some clear water. And uh, I go to the, to the uh, travel agent. I say, this is where I want to go. And they say, look, we've got this week in Cancun, and it is cheap. 
Okay, I'm, I'm all for cheap. Clear water and cheap, that's perfect. Everything's paid for, your food, everything's inclusive. And, and so we say, okay, sign us up. So we go down there, and, and we get off the, the plane, and, and they shuttle us over to the resort, and we get out, and it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And we're looking at all the landscape, and we're thinking, yes, we have made it. We have arrived. And we go to the room, and it's great, and, and we realize there's like nine different restaurants in, within this resort, and it's all paid for. Eat as much as you want. And we think this is perfect. This is heaven. I wonder if, if we could start a church here. So there was only one thing left to do. Let's go for what we really came for. Let's go down to the beach and look at the clear water. We want to experience. I'm tired of looking in pictures and, and the brochures and, and the TV. I want to experience it. So we put our stuff up and we hurry down to the beach. And as we get close, we look at the, the, the white sand that's supposed to be. And there's stuff all over it. And we're looking, what is that? And we look at the water and, and that water that's supposed to be crystal clear. It's dirtier than the Atlantic Ocean. You can't see anything. What is it? And we begin to look and it was seaweed. And we thought, you've got to be kidding me. No wonder it was so cheap. And we started talking to the, to the locals and they said, yeah, there's a couple of times a year that, that we get a lot of seaweed. And, and it just takes over the beach, and that's why nobody's on the beach, and everybody's, and we think, for real? Here we were, we were excited to experience this water, this crystal clear water. We'd heard about it. People say, you know, if you go to the Gulf side, you'll never go. We'd heard about it. We'd never experienced it. We thought we were going to, and we didn't. So to this day, we still haven't experienced the fullness of what we wanted to experience. We think about that in our lives. And we think about how that we're following after God. And we've heard people talk about Him. And we've read about it. And we've seen stories, and, and we've heard our, our grandparents talk about the power of God and the fullness of God, but, but we've never really experienced it. You see, when you see Him in His fullness, you can experience Him. And I'm not talking about seeing Him with your natural eyes. This is something completely different. This is seeing Him with the eyes of your heart. In Matthew chapter 16, they begin to ask Jesus, Jesus said, said, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say that, that you're John the Baptist, and some say you're like Elijah, and some say that, that you're like Jeremiah. And they're talking, and, and Jesus finally says, well, well, how do you see me? How do you see me? And in verse 16, he says, they answer him. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In that moment, they were saying, Jesus, I see you for who you are. I may not be able to, to see that with my own eyes, but with my heart, I realize that you are the son of the living God. And that's the revelation that you and I need to have. 
That's the revelation that will help us experience all that he has for us. When we see him in his fullness. In Mark chapter 1 and 2, there's a, a story. Oh, we begin to talk about Jesus in his ministry. And he's in Capernaum and, and all kinds of things are happening. Healings are happening. And, and so Jesus, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, that Jesus goes to the synagogue. In other words, Jesus goes to church. And he gets there, and he's preaching, and, and, he, and he's healing people, and, and all of these things are happening. And someone with a demon shows up. And so here's this man uh, with a demon, an unclean spirit. And he begins to speak. And it asks Jesus, and he says, what do, you, what do we have to do with you? In other words, Jesus, what are you going to do to us? Are you going you're to destroy us? We know that you're the Holy One of God. You see, even the, the demons recognize and see him for who he truly is. And, and Jesus spoke to the demon. And he said, be quiet and come out of him. And, and the Bible tells us that immediately the demon leaves the man and, and it flees. Well, the people standing around, the people that were at church, some of them were just there to see what was going on. They were amazed. And they said, who is, who is this man that has so much power and so much authority? Who is he? They were starting to get a glimpse of the fullness of Jesus. So the Bible tells us that after church, Jesus goes to Peter's house. He's probably going to relax. Just like many of you will do today. You'll leave here. You'll go get some, some lunch. You'll sit down on the couch and get ready for some football. Jesus is probably going to relax. But when he gets there, he realizes that, that it's not over. He gets there, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. His mother-in-law is sick. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus sees that, he touches her, and she's healed. Now, it's been a joke that people would always say, that's probably a miracle Peter didn't ask for. I couldn't tell that in the first, uh, sermon, or first service because my mother-in-law was here. But he touches her his mother-in-law, and she's healed. And everyone had followed Jesus. Everywhere that Jesus went, people followed him. And they followed him to the house. There was no rest for Jesus because they were just trying to, to see him in his fullness. And the Bible tells us that, that at some point Jesus snuck away. He went away to, to, to pray and, and just to, to meditate and, and just to relax. He was trying to get some rest. And they, they came to him and said, Jesus, well, where are you? Where did you go? People are looking for you. And Jesus said, listen, we just can't stay here. We have to, to go to some other towns. And so for two or three days, the Bible says that, that they went to other towns and, and he ministered. But then he came back. And I believe that, that he came back and, and he went to, back to Simon's house. Because everywhere that Jesus went, 
Everywhere that he ministered, he had a place to stay. When he was in Bethany, he stayed at Mary and Martha's house. He had a place to rest. And so he goes back to the house. And this time, once again, people realize Jesus is back. Jesus is back. And so he's at the house, and, and, and he's preaching, and, and people have, have gathered around. And, and the Bible says that the room was full, that people were standing at the doors. There was no getting in. This was one line that you didn't want to try to cut because everybody wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Everybody wanted to get theirs. Everybody had a need. Or everybody was nosy. Jesus, what are you going to do? And we read about four guys who had a friend who was paralyzed. He had palsy. And so the house is full of people, but these guys, they run to get, Jesus, they run to get their friend. Maybe, this, maybe their friend had, had missed Jesus, and they had missed the moment the first time he was there. And they said, we want to see our friend healed. We want to see him made whole. So they go get him, and, and it says they carry him on a cot. They get there. The house is full. It's full all around the house. Back then, houses were built in boxes, and there were stairs that went up the side. And it led up to the roof. So the Bible tells us that they, they took this man on this cot, and they carried him up the roof. And then one of them had the idea. said, hey, let's, let's start ripping open this roof. Let, let's, let's get him to Jesus any way that we can. If we can't get into him that way, we'll just come down from the ceiling. So Jesus is preaching. They start tearing the roof off. I'm sure Jesus probably, he was still man. He probably got, got a little distracted. What's going on? And he realized what was happening. And they started to rip open the roof. And then when Jesus looked at them, I'm sure he was thinking, man, these guys must be serious. And they began to lower him down. And in that moment, Jesus says something that is powerful and it's unique. Just like last week, when the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus wasn't offering her healing, but she was determined to get her healing. This man realized, and his friends realized, if they could just get him in the presence of Jesus, if Jesus could just, if they could lock eyes, if he could see Jesus and Jesus could see him, that he could be healed. But Jesus says something in that moment. This story tells us the power and priority of first. Because the thing that Jesus said that was so controversial that we'll read about here in a minute, as they were lowering him down, he, when he looked at them, he didn't immediately say, be healed. That wasn't the first thing that Jesus said. The first thing that Jesus said was, your sins are forgiven. And in that moment, Jesus was beginning to paint a picture for us. In this miracle, we were starting to see him. 
Jesus wants us to see his heart. And his heart is, is that he knows what you need most and what you need first. He tells us that in verse 5 of this chapter, when he looks at the man and he says, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus said that first. And he said that before he said in verse 10, arise, take your bed and walk. Why did he do it like that? Why did he do it in that order? I believe that what we are seeing a picture of and what he is telling us in this miracle story is that forgiveness is what's needed most and first. Forgiveness is what is needed most and first. In order for us to have a relationship with God, in order for us to to, to communicate with him, it's what we have to have. Forgiveness of sins is what it takes to give us a relationship with Jesus. Without that forgiveness, there's no relationship. Now, it's awesome to have a miracle. There are times in this life that we need a miracle. There are situations that happen in our life and we say, God, I need a miracle. But what we have to understand is that miracle is just for this life. That miracle is just for now. It's for the moment. But with the forgiveness of sin, it's for eternal life. It makes an eternal difference. What we need first and most is forgiveness. And all throughout the Bible, we read instance after instance where the first empowers the rest. The first empowers the rest. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? What does that mean? I've been pastoring, uh, I've been in ministry for longer than I want to admit. Because if I would tell you how long I had been in ministry, you, you would tune out the rest of this sermon. you think, man, he doesn't look that old. And my answer to that would be I started when I was really, really young. So let's just say I've been in ministry for a while. But I'm all the time having people ask me the question. And they're saying, I want the will of God for my life. Pastor, can you, can you pray that God will give me his will? And when I begin to think about that, I always pointed back to one verse. A verse that I've tried my best to, to make my life verse. A verse that's sometimes very hard to live out. But Jesus said, if we would seek him, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if we would seek that first, that everything else we need will be added to us. And we spend so much time praying, God, I, give me this and give me that. And God said, just seek me. Seek me first. Because when you can fall in love with God first, it's what you need the most. When you can fall in love with God first, then the rest falls into place. Just like when you bring your first fruits, the Bible tells us to, to bring our first fruits, our tithes and our offerings. When you bring those to God, I can tell you story after story after story of people who bring their first fruits to God and then God empowers the rest. It's the way God works. It's a principle. It's all throughout the scripture. Forgiveness is what we need the most. Forgiveness has to be first. 
forgiveness of your sins, forgiveness of your mistakes. Because let me tell you what happens. I've, I've watched it. Guilt is a powerful thing. But what guilt does in your life is it keeps you from receiving what God has for you. It's sort of something that blocks God's blessings because you're walking around in guilt. Guilt keeps you from receiving. And what we have to do first and foremost is we have to understand the fullness of forgiveness. When he says your sins are forgiven, that's exactly what he means. He says you don't have to to carry around that guilt and that shame. The fullness of forgiveness. And when you can do that, the barriers can be removed. And when you can have the faith to know that if you can be forgiven, which is the greatest miracle, when you can have that faith, then you realize I can be healed. I can be freed. I can be whole. I can be blessed. But it's the power first. I'll give you three quick examples in in the Bible, in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace first. Then it says, To help in the time of need. Second. Mercy first, the time of need. Second. Psalm chapter 103, verse 2 and 3. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. What was first? Forgives all your iniquities. First, heals all your diseases. Second, one more, John chapter 11, chapter 8, verse 11. So she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you first. He said, you don't have to be guilty. I'm not condemning you. Don't live that way. And then he says, go and sin no more. He didn't condemn her. Forgiveness. And then he gave the power, her the power to live the rest of her life. He said, go and sin no more. And there's some of you listening this morning that you need to remove the guilt in your life. We have all made mistakes. There's not a person in here that hasn't made a mistake. There's not a person in this world that hasn't made a mistake. Because the Bible says that the only perfect person ever to walk this earth was Jesus. So we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. But what happens is is the enemy uses it to close the source of blessing in your life because you are walking with guilt and shame and condemnation. And the devil whispers to you and said, don't believe for a second that you're going to receive from God because he knows what you've done. Don't believe for a second that he's going to bless you because you know what you've done. I've talked to people and they say, I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. Anybody ever felt that way? You pray and you think, God, God, I don't even know if they're getting above the roof. When you feel that way, you have to allow forgiveness to rip open the roof, to rip off the ceiling so that you can have access to God and God can have access to you so you can see him in his fullness. 
You need the power of forgiveness in your life. You have to believe and expect more. Grace and forgiveness will allow us to receive in our life. Guilt is the wrong way of thinking. Guilt keeps us from receiving. We have to walk in an abundance of grace. And it's so important that we understand that. So many of us live our lives with low expectations. We have low expectations of heaven's flow into our life. That's evident in the story of the prodigal son. You have the prodigal son, and if you know the story, he goes and he commits all kinds of, uh, he squanders his inheritance, and he's committed all these sins, and he's filled with guilt. His expectations when he came home were so small. As in Luke chapter 15, verse 19, it says, he says this, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So here he is. He's living with this guilt. He's living with this shame. And his expectations of what his father is going to do for him are so low. He said, I don't deserve it. And if you read the rest of the story, you find out the father says, you're silly. You don't have to live in that guilt. I want to give you a ring. I want to give you shoes. I want to give you a robe. I want to throw you a party. He said, let go of the guilt and receive grace. The power of forgiveness is first and it's most. Secondly, we need to see his lordship. We need to see his lordship. We have to realize that there is nothing that he cannot do. There's nothing that he can't do. When they begin to lower down that, that man and Jesus spoke to him, and told him that his sins were forgiven, people got tore up. In, in, chapter, in verse 7 and 8, they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And then the Bible says something. It says, so they reasoned in their hearts. So in other words, they didn't say it out loud. They didn't look at him, and, but Jesus knew what they were thinking. But the Bible says they reasoned in their hearts. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were questioning Jesus' lordship, and we do the exact same thing in our lives. We begin to reason. You know what reason is? We, we internally deliberate, deliberate with, with doubt. They didn't argue with Jesus out loud. They deliberated on the inside. And that's exactly what we do. We look at our lives and we think, should God really bless me? Will God really do this? I'm not sure. You're not saying it, but you're thinking it. And you have that shadow of doubt in your mind and you're trying to reason it out. You're looking in the natural. Yeah, in the natural, we don't deserve it. But when God looks at us, he says, I have something more than that for you. He said, I have something supernatural. And his lordship is greater than anything we will ever face in the natural. In verse 10, he, says, he tells us this. He says, but that you may know 
that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. The Son of Man has power on earth. You see, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with in the natural. You have to know that God has the authority over the natural in your life. But in our minds, we reason, and there's three things that we reason. As humans, we reason three things. We reason who he is, what he can do, and who he blesses. Who he is, what he can do, and who he blesses. We begin to to reason in our mind, is he really who he says he is? Is he really Lord? Is he not just a teacher? Is Is he just some historical figure that impacted the world with some great teaching? We reason that who he is. And we have to come back and realize, no, he's more than that. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's more than just some carpenter's son. He's more than just Mary's boy. He's the son of the living God. You have to recognize his lordship. You have to recognize who he is. Secondly, you have to recognize what he can do. We reason what he can do. You want me to tell you what God can do? God can do whatever he wants to do. That's the power that he has. He has power to do on earth as he pleases. They looked at him and said, who are you? You can't forgive sin. Jesus said, watch me. You notice they didn't question that he could heal. They didn't question that he he could heal. They questioned that he could forgive sin. Now, 2,000 years later, very few people question if he can forgive sin, but they question if he can heal. And and you say, well, pastor, I prayed for some people and they've died. And what happens is, is we let the natural conflict with his lordship. You say, pastor, I don't know if he'll ever bring somebody into my life. I'm going to be alone forever. Don't question what he can do. Pastor, you don't know how far that my husband is away from God. You don't know how far my, my son or, or my daughter are from him. There's no way. Don't question what he can do. Pastor, I'm not sure he can do it. We let things that we know in the natural try to keep us from believing his lordship. His lordship's greater than anything you'll face. It's greater than anything. He can set you free. He can make you whole. Don't question what he can do. And thirdly, we question who he blesses. Some of us look at ourselves and we're a mess. And you say, he surely can't bless me. He may be able to bless them or he can bless them. Look at their lives. You know, they've got it all together. I'm sure he's going to bless them, but he can't bless me. And then some of us are the, the, the opposite end of the spectrum. And we look at, look at ourselves and we say, we got it all together. God's going to bless me, but God surely is not going to bless them. 
because we look at what they are in the natural. God said, don't question who I can bless. I can bless you. I can bless them. We can't put limits on who he is, what he can do, or who he can bless. His lordship isn't limited by the natural. His lordship is supernatural. He has power and authority over everything on this earth. We used to sing the song. He's got the whole world in his hands. And we would sing that. I would sing it to my daughter when I was trying to get her to sleep. And we sing that, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe in his lordship? If you want to see him for who he is, you have to believe in his lordship. You have to walk in it. Lastly, you have to see his fullness. You have to see his fullness. This whole story shows us two sides. It shows us two things. It shows us that everything is in him. Everything is in him. Not just the forgiveness of sins, but the healing of sickness. Not just the forgiveness of sins, but the power to make you whole. The power to allow you to walk in freedom. That freedom that that you're longing for, that freedom uh, that, that you think I'll never have, God has the power to do it. You have to see his fullness, his greatness, his vastness. In verse 9 of chapter 2, they said, which is easier to say? Jesus said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? What was Jesus saying here? Jesus was basically saying, listen, it's the same. It's the same. The same power that forgave the sin is the same power that allowed him to walk. Jesus wants us to realize that everything comes from him. It's the same. And when we can understand, when we can see that everything that we need is in him. A lot of times we find ourselves praying for for, for peace or for healing or for freedom. Can I tell you? That, that, that Jesus doesn't have peace, but he is peace. He doesn't just have healing, but he is healing. He just doesn't have freedom, but he is freedom. He doesn't just have life, but he is life. Everything in, that we need is in him. We can't separate who he is and what he has. We can't because he is the source of all life the source of all health, the source of all hope, the source of all freedom, the source of salvation, the source of forgiveness. Anything that we need is in him. We don't have to chase five different things down. All we have to do is go after him. Go after him. And if we get to him, We'll get to everything that we need. There's so many people that that they have the faith to get saved. 
And we know that that's the greatest miracle. But that same faith that saves you can set you free. That same faith that saves you can heal you. That same faith that saves you can bring someone into your life. You don't have to have a different faith. You don't have to look for a different blessing. He is blessing. You don't have to go to another source because he is the source. He is our fullness. He's our fullness. And that's why during this, the month of January, that we have set aside some time to lean into him. I believe with everything that's in me that these 21 days are the most important 21 days of my ministry, of my time that I've been following Christ. You say, Pastor, why do you say that? I look at what everything that's going on around us and I see attacks from the enemy, from the left, from the right, from the front, from the top, from the bottom. I see them everywhere. And I believe that God is calling us and he's saying, don't focus on it. Don't focus on what's around you. Don't focus on what you need. Don't focus on your hurt. When my daughter was younger, she, she would get hurt. And she would come and, and maybe she, her knee would be bleeding. Now that hurt was real. It was real blood. But what I would do was the first thing I wanted to do was calm her down. And so I would try to take her focus off of what was hurting. I would make her laugh or ask her why she was so clumsy. Anything that I could do to take her mind off of what was hurting. The hurt was real. It was real pain. The blood was real. But I knew that if I could get her focus off of her hurt, that she'd be okay. There's some of you that you come in here this morning and you're hurting. And all that you can do is focus on that hurt. Pastor, I'm hurting. And I believe that if we could take our mind off of what's hurting and focus on him, that we'll be okay. Listen, I'm, I'm having to live it right now. I'm having to live it right now. Being completely transparent, which you know that I am. Over the past few months, there have been some things that have happened. We had about three or four weeks of, of the online. One week, something would, would work. And something wouldn't. The next week, the thing that was working quit working. And the thing that wasn't working started working. 
We're in an old building. We got a furnace that's, that's it's past its last leg. And I begin to look at all of those things. I need money here. I need, I need to fix this. We need to do this. We've got these people and we've got all this. And, and everything was just bombarding me. And as I begin to, to pray about and say, God, what would you have me bring to the people during the month of January? He said, you need to tell them to put their focus on me, to lean in to me, because everything that you need, everything that I need is found in only one place. There's only one solution. And it's if we draw close to him, if we focus on him, and if we do that, what's hurting us will dissipate. It's Him and Him alone. He is our source. We have to see Him for who He is. I'm going to ask you to stand. I know that that life isn't easy. I know that if, if we went around this auditorium this morning, or if I would ask those watching online, everyone could tell me something in your life that's just not right. Something that is stressing you, something that is weighing you down, something that is causing you to question who he is, what he can do, or who he will bless. All of us have those things. But I believe as a, as a corporate body, if we will take the time to rip open the roof and say, God, I want to lock eyes with you. You are my source. You are the forgiver of my sins, the remover of my guilt, and you're my provider for everything that I need. If we can do that, I believe that we will see supernatural blessings flow into our lives, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of our friends and our family our co-workers, our neighbors who need to see God in his fullness, who need a supernatural touch in their life, who need something first and most, and that's his grace. And if we can begin to walk in that, walk in his blessings, God will use us. But you gotta get right first. We've got to lead by example. So as they begin to sing, 
I want to challenge you. That whether you come to this altar and kneel down, you say, Pastor, what will people think? Who cares? Do you think that man cared that he was a spectacle when he was being lowered down from the ceiling? And do you think it mattered to God? No, what mattered to God was, what mattered to Jesus was that he wanted to be healed. He was desperate. You look at people all throughout the Bible who who Jesus touched, they were desperate. They were begging, God, do something in my life. And we have two choices. We can be passive about it and just say, well, God, if you want to, God, if you think it's okay, God, if you want to bless me, God, if, or we can say, God, I'm desperate for you. And so whether you can do that where you're standing or you want to take the, the next step and come and kneel at this altar just to, to show God and to show the people who love you and concerned about you, don't think you're alone. You're not alone. So as they, I'm going to pray, they're going to begin to sing. And I'm going to ask you all over this place, if, if you want to put your focus on God, if you want a closer walk with Him, if you want those things that are bothering you, to quiet down, then in this moment, right now, cry out to Him. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand and to proclaim your word. God, me. God, the chiefest of all sinners. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need your touch. God, I need to to be able to to see you. God, not with my natural eyes, but God, supernaturally. God, it's so easy to become focused on everything else. God, it's so easy to, to look at myself and say, I'm a failure. God can't bless me. I've done too much. God, this morning, Break every chain. Break every chain. Let us see you as we've never seen you before. As we've never seen you before. God, we need you. You're our everything. You're our everything. You're our source. God, let us see your heart. Let us see your Lordship. And let us see your fullness.
tell him this morning. One more time, you're holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Isn't he good? God is so good. I pray that you've been challenged this morning to see him in his fullness. I pray that as you go through your week, that when the enemy tries to cloud your vision, that you'll say no. No. I'm going to see him in his fullness. I'm going to see him for who he is. I'm going to experience him. A lot of us have have been raised that we know about him. Maybe our our, our grandparents or or, or our, our parents or a Sunday school teacher, they would tell us about God but we've never truly experienced him for ourselves. And I can tell you from experience that when you see him for who he is, it's a whole new experience. Everything changes. We love you. We pray that you have a a great, great week. Uh, Don't forget, growth track, we would love for you to be part of that. There are boxes at the back that you can give. It's part of worship. You can give online. Thank you. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday, and we will see you soon.